This is a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm a volunteer with Chapter 49 and a retiree. And we'd like to welcome you to our Chapter 49 podcast, which is normally weekly. We took some time off around the holidays, and oh my goodness, holidays were anything but quiet this time around. So welcome once again, Duncan Giles, our chapter president. Hope you enjoyed your time away from the office. Yeah, it was quiet, but like you said, uh, it's been eventful. Well, speaking of events, and there have been many events since we last spoke to you and brought John Kelshaw into the discussion from New Jersey. Um, I guess the most uh, pressing issue is is what everybody witnessed on January 6th. We are recording this podcast on January 7th, the day after all of the events uh, on Capitol Hill. So I'm going to take my point of uh, personal privilege being the host of this podcast and, and express a few of my thoughts, and I'll bring Duncan in to to react uh, his own way. First of all, I just wanted to let you know that as a retiree, I was able to watch most of the events on the TV coverage yesterday at the U.S. Capitol. What came to my mind immediately, the many times that I had the honor of representing Chapter 49 at legislative conferences, walking through the halls of those office buildings on Capitol Hill, House and Senate, walking through the Capitol building on occasion. Just, you're in awe of these places honoring our democracy. It's the place where we as a nation conduct the business of being a democracy. But of course, a democracy, how should I put this? Many people have died to protect this democracy. To think that those same places were desecrated by a mob with insurrection on their minds, egged on by the President of the United States. I just cannot describe the emotions I felt seeing all that. What else came to mind? Well, my my father. My father died 27 years ago. He devoted his almost his entire working life to serving the government as a civilian employee in the Department of Defense. He had volunteered to serve in the Army, but was discharged while in boot camp for medical reasons. He felt he was doing the work of the American people and took his civilian job at the Defense Department very seriously. And I was at his retirement luncheon in the mid-1980s and learned how respected he was by his peers, again, because he took his responsibilities so seriously. I spent 15 years working in the private sector, but entered the civil service in 1983. My dad, he rarely handed out compliments in person. That's just his personality, the way he was. But I discovered from what he said to other people how proud he was that I had chosen government service. Now, my first day on the job, and I had two different jobs in government, I spent a few weeks working for the Department of Defense before coming to IRS. And in each case, I took an oath to defend and protect the Constitution from foes domestic and foreign. We as a nation were subjected to a domestic terrorist attack on the Capitol building on January 6th. 
As someone who was sworn to protect America, I call on all citizens and residents of this nation to rise up and defend our Constitution and our rule of law. And let Congress know you expect them all to act in accordance with our traditions of a democratic republic. Democracy is a fragile thing. It needs defending constantly. Demand that your elected officials protect our democracy. Now, I've seen much in my 69 years on this earth. I watched as a very young person as the world teetered on the edge of nuclear war during the Cuban Missile Crisis. My dad had classified briefings, but he couldn't tell us what he knew. But I looked in his eyes, and I knew it was serious. I saw people later rise up and protest the Vietnam War, at first not with a lot of public support, but that certainly changed over time. I saw, as I entered adulthood, I saw a president slow walk a scandal named Watergate that finally led to his resignation. But none of that compares to what I saw January 6th at the U.S. Capitol building. Our status as a democratic republic is at stake here. The entire world is watching. The federal civil service and those working at IRS are part of that democratic republic. In our case, handling tax administration, funding our nation. And we're doing it in the middle of a worldwide pandemic. So, my final thought, be proud of the work you do every day. The best thing we all can do listening to this podcast is handle our daily work and Support the union taking care of you, the National Treasury Employees Union, our local Chapter 49. Those are my comments. Duncan, I'd like yours. As usual, Larry, you put your thoughts much more eloquently than mine were. Um, I was quite frankly outraged um, by what transpired and, and what drove it to be the event that it became and you know how it all worked out. There is simply no excuse for what happened, none whatsoever. Um, I'm all for everybody having their own political beliefs. I don't have to agree with you. You can do what you like. You can vote how you like. That's fine. That's what our democracy is built on. But you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. You can't incite people to riot and then step back when they watch that riot happen and say, oh, we didn't expect this to happen. You throw kerosene on a bonfire, you better believe you know what's going to happen. And I truly believe um, that's that's what transpired yesterday. And it, it makes me angry. And even more than angry, it saddens me so much that our democracy and our government that, you know, we all work for, that we love so much, that we fight for, Uh, came to a situation such as that. I just appalled at the actions of my fellow countrymen yesterday uh, is probably the best way I can describe it. I I think those of us who who work in the civil service, who serve the government, uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I always thought in my mind that I was, you know... um, 
working for something bigger than me. You know, I, I'm, I'm part of a, of a government that I, with which I believe in. You're right. I, I don't even necessarily agree with the political stances uh, many of the presidents I worked under. Some I did, some I didn't. Didn't make any difference. I still did my work as a civil servant. So I, I think as a civil servant, when you see that kind of behavior, you realize it's time for our leaders to step up and do the right thing. That's my message. So I, I kind of get the impression it's yours too. Absolutely, absolutely. Because you're right. It is. We're working for something bigger than ourselves. We're working, and and you know every employee that I've met has the pride in the job that they're doing. They're not doing this for the money. They're doing it because they know that they're doing something good for the United States government. And to see it be roundly trashed in one of the beacons of our democracy is just abhorrent. I can't use a better word than abhorrent. Well, we just want to recognize what's happening. And I have to give you credit, Duncan. We had thought about recording this earlier in the week, and you said, no, let's wait till after January 6th. Though You knew we'd have something important to talk about. But one thing that did happen on the 6th, it happened very late at night. In fact, it may have even, I didn't stay up, it may have happened after midnight on the 6th, was uh, the counting of the Electoral College ballots, even though there were some objections that probably were not valid. Uh, they still the vote in the end as everyone knew it would would uh, it turned out with Joe Biden being president Kamala Harris vice president they will be inaugurated on on January 20th we hope the security is improved by that time I'm sure there's a, a lot of discussion going on about what happened with security yesterday I'm, from the day we record this January 6th so uh, I'm sure there'll be a lot of talk about that but we will be ushering in a new administration. Uh, at noon on uh, January 20th. So we know that's going to make a difference in how the federal workforce is viewed. I'd like your thoughts on this. Yeah, I think that um, it's going to be, hopefully, uh, what I'm anticipating is that it'll be much better for federal employees. That the Biden administration uh, will value federal employees, their input, their their work, things of that nature, uh, much more than many previous administrations have, both Democratic and Republican, just because uh, Joe Biden has, for the vast majority, if not all of his political career, been a big booster in employees and federal employees in particular. So I'm really hoping that we can see some improvement in how we're treated. I'm hoping that we'll see some pushes for more substantial raises and other pro-employee things that uh, at the national level uh, that we're pushing for. I do know that um, our national president, Tony Reardon, has had contact with the campaign and transition team as well as president-elect Biden himself and has come across, come away from that feeling very confident that it will get better for federal employees. You know, so I've, I've got a sense of optimism about that. Well, speaking of that, one development that was greatly overshadowed by the events of January 6th, that was also the date that it was verified based on the vote count 
that there will be two new senators from the state of Georgia, which means that although barely the balance of power in the Senate has now shifted from one party to the other, and since uh, the vice president technically does preside over the Senate, although the vice president is not there every day, uh, constitutionally presides and can can, uh, break a tie vote, since there will be 50 Republicans and 50 Democrats, and a, a, a Democratic uh, vice president will be there to break the tie, the Democrats will, just barely, but will have the majority in the United States Senate. They also have a small majority in the House. What will that mean for the federal workforce? We are hoping that there will be some more uh, pro-employee uh statutes passed that will give us better protections. You know, we've heard from President-elect Biden that one of the first things he's going to do is rip up several of the harmful executive orders that President Trump has signed that don't directly impact us just because our contract, our national agreement is still in effect. Otherwise, we would be severely impacted by those. So we're hoping that some of those become statutory rather than executive orders, some good things. Um, We're just hoping for more protections for employees out there busting their hump, trying to do the job every day. We're hoping for more hiring because, as all of us know, there's not enough people to do the work. Plain, pure, simple. It doesn't matter what division you're in of the IRS or in many other parts of the federal government. There aren't enough people. Our staffs have been starved because we just didn't have the funding available. We're hoping that funding will be better. So overall, we're hoping that this, again, I'm optimistic it will be a good thing. You know, I, I, I'm sure you've seen this, too, on, on message boards and uh, uh, Facebook groups of people that I know. And, and there have been so many complaints about not being able to contact IRS because of the most recent stimulus payment where there are some snafus there. I thought to myself, well, this has been the product of years of underfunding IRS. This is what happens when you don't properly fund an agency. Would you agree? Yeah, not funding an agency and trying to do what, cobble together what you can in the middle of the worst pandemic in over a century is not a good combination at all to provide the service that we all want to America's taxpayers. You know, I was on a podcast. I, I produce a number of podcasts. I was on a podcast with somebody the other day. We talked. Somebody said, well, it's been, you know, 100 years since we had the last pandemic. I said, well, I may be old, but I'm not old enough to remember that. However, I know all about it, and it is certainly very, very serious. It's impacted IRS. It's impacted all kinds of operations. So anyway, let's move on to something else. Uh, one thing that has been going on ever since the pandemic hit in, in early two. 2020, actually. Ever since that uh, has happened, we've had uh, a concept called weather and safety leave. It's where people are paid because there's not work that is conducive to work at home and they're not really able to come into an office for a variety of reasons. Their their health situation, just the unavailability of, of, of being able to go into an office. They can't stay home and work. There's no way to hook them up to work uh, at home. And uh, they're not able to come into an office for whatever reason. Those people have been on weather and safety leave. It's been going on for a number of months. We all knew it would not last forever, but there are rumors flying everywhere. What are you hearing? 
Yes, uh, started to hear them pretty solidly uh, since I've come back. That weather and safety leave, WSL for short, uh, could end any day. And what I mean could end, that they could say, okay, and we haven't seen anything specific, but they could say everybody has to come back or use their own leave or they have to work from home, or if their work's not portable, you're not able to telework, then if you can't use your own leave, you're going to be placed on either leave without pay or AWOL. And this is going to impact a great number of people across the country. We're going to have some impact here in the state of Indiana, but the uh, service centers, um, places of that nature, and other call sites across the country are going to have Uh, big hits on this. And one of the questions I've been asked is what's going to happen if I've got childcare issues? Well, I'm, you know, unfortunately there isn't any provision for that. You know, if you're, if you're called into work, you're called into work, even if your child is at home, there isn't anything in the law. Some people have asked, what about the emergency leave that was out there for the 80 hours that expired on December 31st? So if you have COVID or COVID symptoms, um, you know, you're having to use your own leave. So unfortunately, there's a whole lot of things that didn't happen at the end of the year when they passed the second uh, COVID relief package that were not included that are going to directly impact uh, employees here at the IRS. And there's, you know, people go, well, what are you going to do about it? Well, we've talked to Congress. You need to talk to your congressperson or your senator about this because this is literally by statute. This is not something the IRS is imposing. This is not something that NTU is not fighting. These are statutes that are in effect. So we're going to do everything that we can, but everybody's going to need to contact their, again, their congressperson or their senator to let them know how badly they're going to be impacted by this. Now, when people are on weather and safety leave, do they accrue annual and sick leave? Yes, they do. So they'll have some leave to take at least, correct? You would hope so. When you're on weather and safety leave, some people, and I've had to educate a great many members on this, it means that you're basically at home, but, you know, if management contacts you and says we need to have a meeting via phone you're supposed to do that if you need to take sick leave you should be taking sick leave if you have a doctor's appointment feel ill anything of that nature then you should be using your sick leave instead of weather and safety leave well that's that's all very the only thing i would ask you about this and i i understand there's a lot of limits on the laws to what ntu can do for people that's that's sad but true and you're i know you and the national union are pressing every button you can legally but there are a limited number of them in this case my, my big question is uh i'm a, i'm concerned about the fact that it appears based on the rumors if we do, that's all we got now as we record this and we'll update you on our uh, facebook page if you want to follow that or like it it's nteu chapter 49 indiana just search for that on facebook and you can follow or like us there and we'll update you there but it seems to me, based on the rumors that uh, you are hearing, 
that this will be a very sudden thing. And I would have thought that people would have had some more notice to kind of get their lives in order to try to get back to work. Um, do you think there's any possibility of that, or is this going to be a, okay, tomorrow the rules change? Okay, Larry, I know you've been retired for a while, but are you trying to use logic in government? In I know, maybe, sense? maybe, I think that's my problem. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's, I know that um, national office has heard the same rumors that I have, and that is exactly one of the things that they are saying to IRS and all the other governmental agencies that we represent, that this cannot turn on a dime, that people have lives that they've got a plan for, child care, elder care, whatever it is, that they've got issues before they can come back into the office. And also, what plans are going to be made for these people that are coming back on social distancing? How is that going to be enforced? How are you going to be enforcing a mask mandate? These are all things that we're trying to make sure that happen before people are told that they have to come back to work. Well, if you take a look at the number of posts of duty that don't even have a manager there, it's going to be hard to police, isn't it? Absolutely. It's, and that's, again, one of the things that I've asked, and I know National has asked of executives, how is this going to work? How are you going to do that? And many times they don't have answers, and that is simply not acceptable to us. Well, one thing we've talked about time and time again on this podcast is how is the Social Security deferral? It wasn't withheld in roughly the last quarter of 2020, not exactly, but roughly. How is that going to be paid back? Well, we now know that. That's now in statute. It'll be the repayment is spread over a year. Yet uh, the guidance that uh, has been released by the federal government says you're not even allowed to pay it in a lump sum if you choose to do so. The government is refusing to take your money, oddball but true, uh, it would be in the interest of the government to have it early, but no, they're saying it all has to be done over time. So at least we have the answer to that question. Do you think uh, that's going to be workable for most people, or what sort of feedback are you getting? Uh, I don't think it's really hit people yet. Um, I'm very frightened when it does. Um, you and I have, have beat this topic to death, and it's one thing I'm happy to beat to death because I wanted to make sure everybody was aware, everybody was planning, everybody was thinking about how they were going to repay this. I'm really hoping that the vast majorities, the vast majority, excuse me, of listeners to this podcast, readers of our Facebook page, people that have contacted me, have done as we suggested and put that money aside so they can pay it back. You know, for these eight pay periods between pay period 18 and pay period 25 in 2020, this money was not taken out. So you had that extra money for those eight pay periods. Now we're being told that, yes, you are going to be able to pay it back. You're not, as you alluded to, you're not going to be able to pay it back all in one lump sum like people like myself would wish for. You're going to be able to pay it back. Not in a short period of time. Now they're going to say, okay, it's going to do it over the entire year. What I'm doing for myself is because it goes through, it's going to be paid back through pay period 26 of 2020 until pay period 25 of this year. And I basically figured that up. Okay, how much, how much did they not take out? I divided it by those number of pay periods. And I had put it away in a savings account, and basically I'm going to transfer, uh, for easy explanation's sake, 
one twelfth of that every month back into my checking account. So I won't be shorted that money that they're taking out extra from my Social Security to pay that back from the uh, last quarter of 2020. And it's roughly uh, 6.2% of the wages that are subject to Social Security. That's roughly what was not withheld and what uh, will be uh, withheld in addition uh, during the next, uh, basically, the next year. So, uh, yeah, you're right. We'll find out over time uh, how this, this works out. And also another oddball thing, based on what I've read, and you can fill in the blanks on this, is that if you're retiring or you leave and... That's basically going to be a, a government debt to pay back. Is that not correct? That is correct. That's what I've, because I've already gotten inquiries from some recent retirees asking, first off, saying, you know, they haven't heard anything yet from OPM. And I had to tell them, yes, they're still pretty backed up on processing retirements. And then how is this Social Security going to be paid back? And told them they're going to be getting a bill. They're literally going to be getting a bill to pay this money back um, for the time in the last quarter of 2020. Let's move on and talk about something else. This is good news. You have uh, uh, took a gamble and uh, <laughs> it paid off for you, but the Defense Authorization Act, which funds the Defense Department, had a provision, some federal employee provisions in there, and one of those provisions... Uh, allows you to carry over an extra 60 hours of annual leave from leave years 2020 to 21 uh, because so many people uh, were dealing with with COVID and related issues. Uh, that is uh, was vetoed. It was for other reasons, but it was vetoed by the president. But it had such overwhelming support uh, from both parties in each house of Congress. It was easily overridden. So with the override of that veto, that becomes law. Uh, so this is good news for people who didn't take all their leave, that uh, they're not going to lose leave, at least up to 60 hours, if, if they didn't take it all in, in uh, leave year 2020. So tell us more about that. Yeah, as you, as you alluded to, I did gamble. I uh, hung out there for 24 extra hours, three days, to see how it would work. So what they're saying is, is this soon will appear. OPM has said it'll soon appear on things like your earnings and leave statements. Now, the thing is, with this leave, it must be used before you use your annual leave. And if you retire before you use these up to 60 hours, that will not be, it won't be rolled over till next year. If you're you know, planning on using that as a rollover, if you leave the government, you will not get paid for it. So if you did have use or lose and you did gamble like myself, then you're going to want to use that leave first before you use anything else. Well, yeah, if you're a retiree, you know, normally and when I, the year I retired, I tried to hold back taking leave, so I had that big check when I retired. Here you can take the leave, and it doesn't impact uh, the annual leave check you get upon retirement. So that could be good news if that's the case. You can take a little extra time off in your period just before your retirement. Correct. Uh, one last thing here we'll talk about. Uh, there is a raise. It's 1%. When do people see that in their paychecks? They should be seeing that in their, I believe it'll be their next paycheck coming up. Um, and it is, as you said, it's 1% across the board. There is no locality pay to this. And it was 
up in the air for quite a bit whether we were going to see a raise or not. Congress was silent on it, and because the president may have uh, expressed his displeasure and wanted to change it to a pay freeze, he never did that officially. So therefore, the 1% pay raise does go into effect. Well, Duncan, I'll just say one last thing. Um, you know, America has seen our capital burned by the British in 1814. We went through a civil war, 1860 through 1865, or 1861 through 65, I guess it would be. Uh, we've, we've survived uh, two world wars in the 20th century, the Cold War. Uh, we've had some difficult times. January 6th was a hard thing to watch. I'm going to put an optimistic hat on it and say that I think we're going to move forward in a better way. I'd like your view. That is exactly my hope. We need to come together. The polarization, I, you know, I understand different points of view have no problem with it. But there's always been a middle that we've been able to hit. And in the last several years, and this precedes this administration, We've been so polarized at either end that we're not talking, we're not moving towards doing things. And we need to move towards that middle so we're able to do things for the American people. Well, I do want to apologize. The connection I have with Duncan is not perfect. It's a little static there. I think it's the management, uh, Duncan, trying to uh, do in our podcast. What do you think? Uh, that or, you know, my, you know, being in my box here in the uh, federal building in, in Indianapolis might have some impact on that as well. Well, yeah, I mean, there's so much communication in that building, even if there are not people there like there normally are. The communication equipment still buzzes and still works. So, uh, yeah, it's the challenge we have getting that connection between the two of us. But I think it was barely well enough to... To, to, the, to get through this particular podcast. So, Duncan Giles, any uh, final words uh, before we wrap this up? I just, you know, everybody be good to, as you, as you like to say, be good to one another. Treat everybody the right way. Do things lawfully, peacefully, and we'll all get through this and hopefully come together for a better tomorrow. And I know that sounds like a spiel, but that's heartfelt. Well, I mean, American history says we tend to do that. This is not just a Pollyannish idea. I think we do come together in times of crisis, and I think that's what I'm seeing happen. I hope that continues, and uh, I will uh, uh, kind of say that I'm, I'm on the. We're all on the same. To you and I, at least, are on the same page, and I would hope our fellow civil servants feel the same way. This has been the Chapter 49 podcast. You just heard Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter 49. My name is Larry Lannon. I host the podcast. I will simply wrap it up by saying, please be kind and be safe.